Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to a very spooky episode of Destination Disaster. I am your host, Devin Carney. favorite holiday, I've decided to release a special episode for the occasion. Today, we are going to be taking a look at the possibility of a zombie virus infecting the masses, leading to a global outbreak of the undead roaming aimlessly in search of a fresh food source. This topic is one that I love, and one that I grew up with in a time when The Walking Dead ruled the prime time slots on TV. In all seriousness, this episode is meant to outline many different facets of a multi-tiered response to a threat involving a novel virus that scientists have never experienced and the resulting consequences of not containing that threat quickly enough. Following this episode, 
I'm going to step away from the show for a few weeks to rest and write new content for the upcoming season. In the meantime, please feel free to email the show with episode ideas should there be anything you'd like me to cover. With those announcements out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into the content for this week. Somewhere deep in the Siberian tundra, a multinational research team is drilling into the permafrost layers to study the Earth's past and to get a better understanding of the environment during the time that mammoths walked the Earth. Unexpectedly, a liquid of unknown origin explodes from the borehole where the team is drilling. This liquid, black in nature, is a tarry-like substance and is initially believed to be oil. Upon returning to their base camp for the evening, one of the researchers suddenly becomes ill and develops a high-grade fever. Fearing for her well-being, the researcher is taken to Krasnoyarsk where she can receive at least some form of treatment. Upon admission into the emergency room, the researcher begins to deteriorate and develop violent tendencies which land her in a psychiatric ward until diagnostic testing can be completed. Initially, her blood pressure and heart rate cannot be located, and it is thought that maybe due to her inability to remain still that the equipment was unable to locate it. The next couple of hours pass in a whirlwind. The researcher is still acting incredibly violent against anyone who attempts to interact with her. A nurse attempting to feed the researcher is bitten in an encounter and doesn't think to report this to her supervisor. Had she done this, the virus that is currently raging through the researcher's body would have never left the hospital grounds. As the nurse leaves following the end of her shift, she notices a slight cough forming in the back of her throat. What she doesn't realize is that she just set off a chain reaction of events that could spell doom for humanity. One week later, the city of Krasnoyarsk has been overrun with the unknown illness. The local police are unable to push back against the infected and call for assistance from the Russian armed forces. But due to the war in Ukraine, not many are able to respond, and those that do are under-equipped for the fight. Russia does its best to hide the outbreak from global media outlets, but due to the international research team that is conducting the research there, they have requested aid from their home governments, one of which happens to be the United Kingdom. The British ambassador to Russia urges the Russian president to accept the support of Public Health UK with a public health rapid support team. These teams are built around several specialties to include epidemiology, infection control, and microbiology. Reluctant at first, Russia agrees to allow the team into Krasnoyarsk under a condition of strict confidentiality. Upon arriving at the airport in Krasnoyarsk, it is immediately evident that something has gone completely awry here. It looks as though a war has happened here. Security checkpoints leading into the airport are unmanned, and bullet holes have riddled the adjacent walls, with blood scattered across the floor. The public health rapid support team immediately return to their helicopter and call for support from the UK government, requesting some form of armed escort to the hospital. From initial interpretations, it looks as though chaos had already erupted and people fought to escape whatever was occurring. Unbeknownst to Russian officials, the UK government had six SAS personnel providing coverage in a covert Blackhawk just under radar identification range. Repelling into the airport, the SAS operators escort the response team to the hospital where the research team was last reported to be. However, upon arriving, the SAS operators and response team report that the hospital is completely abandoned, with a blood-smeared message on the wall saying, Get out. The SAS team report their findings, and the response team is ordered to stage at the airport while UK intelligence services are able to identify what is happening. The Russian government, by this point, is now beginning to receive reports of sick persons wandering into emergency rooms in Nazarovo. The ill don't answer commands and seem angry when medical staff approach. One nurse is bitten and quickly bleeds out as her carotid artery was punctured in the attack. At this point, in rate of spread, the virus that will soon wrap its cold, dead grasp has already spread beyond control in Russia. In Krasnoyarsk, SAS operators encounter one of the infected persons who charge at one of the operators, quickly meeting their end by a speeding bullet to the chest. Huh, that's odd. She didn't die after that shot. Again, 
the SAS operator hoists his UCIW, or ultra-compact individual weapon for those not familiar with the term, and takes a shot again, center mass at the woman who is charging at the operators. Again, the velocity of the round knocks the woman backwards onto the pavement, and once again she gets up. At this point, the operators have no idea that the woman is infected with a virus that has completely overridden her nervous system, making her incapable of feeling pain. Quickly adapting to this newfound knowledge, the SAS operator aims at her head and takes one shot, dispatching the infected person. Two weeks later, officials in Moscow have officially declared a public health emergency as many rural emergency rooms have become overrun with this new virus. Unsure of how to actively control it, Russia closes all land crossings and suspends all flights in and out. However, by the time Russian authorities can stop all flights, infected individuals have traveled to Southeast Asia, Canada, and Germany. The number of unconfirmed infected is estimated at just 400. As Russia fights the spread, many countries are still unaware of just how dangerous this virus will turn out to be. Many world governments are scrambling to obtain data from the Ministry of Health. However, due to the emergency situation, the flow of information is delayed and Russia tries to cover up as much of it as possible. One month later, public health officials in Singapore identified 10 cases in the capital city and quickly moved to inhibit the spread of the virus further by immediately locking the country down and restricting movement unless you are a frontline worker. The country has experience in dealing with several outbreaks from its previous history and has developed swift measures that prohibit the spread of the virus by instituting strict lockdowns and providing supportive measures to its citizens such as local food pickup sites, PPE distribution points, and healthcare workers that will monitor the infected at home. In Germany, the public health teams have set up monitoring points at airports, train stations, and other points of entry. Unfortunately, by the time these measures are implemented, five infected have already entered Frankfurt, Munich, Bergen, Berlin, and Hamburg. In Canada, similar measures have been implemented with public health officials being able to stop one of the four infected from entering the country. The infected individual was already beginning to show symptoms upon arriving at the Toronto airport and was immediately rushed to the hospital. In quarantine, doctors are able to get a much better idea of how the virus progresses through the body. The early symptoms generally include a high-grade fever of around 140 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius, chest pain, edema in the legs, and nausea. As the symptoms progress, the fever subsides as the virus hijacks the immune system and tricks it into allowing the virus to replicate. Multi-organ failure has led to the infected falling into a coma where the final transition into a zombie-like stage occurs. The infected generally do not recover from this point, and removal from ventilatory support result in near-immediate medical death. While traditionally, the deceased would be transferred to the morgue for autopsy or transferred to a funeral home, the infected are placed in a special observation unit at a remote military installation where further research can take place. It is also noticed that once a reanimation is identified, the infected individuals gather in groups. Initially, this gathering was given the term horde. However, after observing the group movements and the complete disregard for anything on the floor or on the ground, the horde is renamed to a crush. The crush was observed wandering over and crushing infected individuals on the floor who were still in the second phase of transition. Thanks to this observation, the virus spread is quelled throughout all of North America, at least for now. The United States, Canada, and Mexico all decide to declare public health emergencies in an effort to prepare for the outbreak and ensuing chaos that each government knows will soon appear. Border protection agencies all hire extra personnel to staff the borders, place reinforced security measures, and enforce health checks at all crossings. The governments limit travel to only essential deliveries such as food and medical supplies. Major airports throughout Mexico, Canada, and the United States have all restricted flights from international destinations 
and have begun screening checkpoints for domestic travel. In Europe, the outbreak that is feared in North America has started in Germany. The German city of Munich is ground zero following a crush attack in the city center that involved approximately 10 infected individuals. Authorities rushed to cordon off the area. However, by the time police respond in force, several of the infected individuals and even some of those who were attacked have disappeared. As a result, the Federal Ministry of Health announces swift measures that include a lockdown of Munich, checkpoints leaving and entering the city, and a curfew in an effort to stop the spread of the virus. These measures work initially. Citizens do their part to curb the spread by maintaining social distancing mandates, mask wearing, and staying home when at all possible. However, right underneath the nose of officials, parties start popping up in protest of the new mandates. And unfortunately, this has led to the first major outbreak of what is now being dubbed the Siberia virus. Back in Russia, the government and society are in turmoil. The situation has deteriorated and estimated cases are somewhere near 10,000, even though you'll never get the Russian government to confirm this number. Chatter through intelligence channels reveals that the remaining reserve forces have been activated in an attempt to control the chaos that was actively unfolding in the capital city. Drone imagery shows fires and smoke billowing from the city center, and more intriguingly, the Kremlin. It is believed that the Russian president fled to a secret coastal palace where he can run the country away from any harm. Following secret talks behind closed doors, Russia requests assistance from both the United States and United Kingdom to help quell the spread of the virus. Nearly 14,000 soldiers from the 82nd Airborne Division are deployed in support of Operation Skin and Bones. Under the cover of darkness, approximately one month following the initial identification of the Siberia virus. Upon landing outside the city of Moscow, it's apparent things are far worse than reported. Armed vigilante groups have taken over portions of the outskirts of Moscow, hoarding many of the necessary supplies that were being distributed by Russian authorities. Soldiers from the 1st Battalion, 504th Infantry Regiment come under near-immediate contact with one group. The expertly trained soldiers make quick work of the mostly untrained armed gunmen. Two months later, cases continue to climb throughout the United States, most notably in the southern states where distrust in the government continues to grow. Anti-mask parties continue to lead to further infections and hospitals are beginning to feel the stress of this. At present, the United States has around 4,000 confirmed cases and another 8,000 suspected, mainly centered in southern Texas. As a result of the large caseload and limited number of beds, Texas Governor Henry McMillan orders the Texas Army National Guard Medical Command to assist the stressed healthcare system by establishing temporary field hospitals and staffing them. These facilities are mainly for those infected persons who are exhibiting mild symptoms. As the symptoms progress, more secure facilities are set up where observation and testing for various treatments can be conducted. In Mexico, drug cartels have identified a new business model, smuggling drugs via infected individuals across the border into the United States. Once the individual is fully transitioned into the third phase of infection, they feel no pain. Cartel members cut open the person's abdomen and stuff drugs into the body cavity. After sealing the person up, they then mark the person with infrared paint and send them wandering across a part of the unsecured border. This is intentional, as within the Customs and Border Protection Agency in the United States, several agents are affiliated with the cartel. Following the retrieval of the drugs, the infected are dispatched and their bodies are disposed of in one of several mass graves that the Federal Emergency Management Agency has designated. In Africa, Cape Town, South Africa is the first major city to report a complete failure in being able to contain the spread of the virus. Following the initial outbreak of the virus one month ago, 
public health officials were unable to slow infections and provide necessary services before failing. Armed groups roam and steal supplies, kill, and some have even tried claiming the city for themselves. However, they didn't last long. With the fall of Cape Town, estimated cases are now at approximately 1.5 million globally. In Russia, 10 F-16s assigned to the 510th Fighter Squadron based in Aviano Air Base, Italy, conduct several bombing campaigns against the infected crushes that have been observed traveling in groups numbering in the hundreds. Russian officials that remained have relocated out into an intelligence bunker that is located in the Siberian tundra. Cities such as St. Petersburg, Kaliningrad, and Vladivostok all report increasing case count. Back in the United States, Texas is seeing increasing case counts once again. The Federal Emergency Management Agency has announced interstate travel restrictions with the exception of logistics deliveries that are necessary to ensure the economy continues functioning. National Guard troops from the states of Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and New Mexico set up checkpoints that verify cargo shipments and do temperature screenings. The local Texas legislature is furious at the announcements from the federal government. In response, Texas lifts all mandates in what officials believe to be a power move. One week later, cases exceed 30,000 in the state. This is an emergency action notification requested by the White House. All EAS participants will follow activation procedures in the EAS Operating Handbook for a national-level emergency. The President of the United States or his representative will shortly deliver a message over the emergency alert system. My fellow Americans, we are currently dealing with a threat that we have never faced domestically. The virus that is rapidly spreading throughout the state of Texas is incredibly dangerous and one that poses a threat to the safety, security, and health of this country. For that reason, I have ordered the Secretary of Defense to enact a partial mobilization of Army Reserve Forces to support the mission that is currently being undertaken on the border of Texas. Title 10, Section 12304 authorizes the President to give vested power to the Secretary of Defense to coordinate the activation of both Ready Reserve and individual Ready Reserve units. At this time, I am only requesting that 50,000 reserve troops be deployed to the Texas border for a period of 30 days. I am optimistic that the Centers for Disease Control, in coordination with the several Texas health systems can slow the spread and get this virus under control. Those reserve troops that have been activated have received orders now and should be making their way to their assigned duty stations. Should the mission require an extension, the Secretary of Defense and her representatives will coordinate with the assigned combatant commanders. Thank you. Six months later, with the coordination of many world governments, a breakthrough in the viral genome of the Siberia virus has occurred. It is discovered that this genome is that of a Lyssa virus, which is in the Rhabdoviridae family. The virus name originates from the Greek term Lyssa, meaning fury or rage. The virus is one in which the rabies virus belongs to as well. The Siberia virus resembles an early form of rabies and is believed to have originated from a long dead bat during a time well before humans. Much of the research that the team has conducted was destroyed by Russian Spetsnaz troops. Many scientific teams believe that the virus was identified in an ancient fossil. However, that will be left to speculation. Scientists continue to race against the clock by the six-month mark as many public health agencies are reporting a large increase in cases. In the United States, the measures to prohibit travel from Texas worked for about three months until a small skirmish between an extreme right-wing militia called the Texas Freedom Fighters and a unit of Army Reserve soldiers resulted in the death of 10 reservists and 20 militia members. This attack leaves a gap in the border between Texas and Louisiana along the Interstate 20 and a direct line for the virus to spread right into Shreveport, Louisiana. 
There, the virus quickly spreads and overwhelms the hospitals within the city. Cases here fan out and infections are identified in Little Rock, Arkansas, New Orleans, Louisiana, and Memphis, Tennessee. The CDC, in coordination with local public health and authorities, attempt to prevent the spread by enacting swift measures to include lockdowns, health screenings, and a curfew that requires all who are not working to be inside by 9 p.m. At first, the measures slow the spread in the cities. However, as the infections rise, both the local authorities and public health agencies are unable to react fast enough. In Little Rock, cases skyrocket from 15 initially to over 600 in about two weeks. The infected are seen wandering the streets, emitting a moaning noise as if they are in pain. It is believed that this is a mutation and an effort for an uninfected individual to approach and the infected individual to then attack and spread the virus. This mutation proves to be incredibly effective in spreading the virus as many are attacked, attempting to assist those that they believe to be in pain or suffering from other emergencies. This spread quickly overwhelms the 911 system in those affected cities, forcing the National Guard to be activated to assist. The 256th Infantry Brigade Combat Team establishes a command post at the Shreveport Regional Airport, coordinating both relief efforts and evacuations. Platoons conduct convoys in and around the airport to maintain security and to ensure no infected are infiltrating behind the safety cordon. Due to the sheer size of the infected population and no known cure, members of the Infantry Brigade are ordered to shoot infected on-site if encountered by a crush. While there is a small amount of protest from soldiers, it is inevitably the only way to ensure the infected don't overrun the local government area of the city and evacuation operations of Shreveport. New Orleans faces a massive wave of infected individuals in the first week alone. Tulane University Medical Center reported over 3,000 cases, quickly overwhelming the emergency room. Due to the surge, city emergency rooms are forced to close and field testing centers open. Gunfire can be heard throughout the city, as both National Guard and civilians begin dispatching infected persons due to their sheer numbers throughout the city and into the suburban areas. Mass attacks from infected individuals begin to be reported in record numbers. CDC personnel believe that this is another mutation that has been taking place, and one that witnesses infected actively hunting and showing a prey drive to spread the virus. Anti-mask and anti-quarantine parties take place all throughout the city of Memphis as a particularly conservative country music star hosts a massive music festival. As a result, groups of infected attack the crowd attending the festival. Police do their best to dispatch the infected, but are quickly overwhelmed in the attack. The country music star hosting the festival attempts to place blame on the federal government for sending infected to the festival and disrupting a quote-unquote peaceful event. In reality, the infected are attracted to the loud noises and lights emanating from the fairgrounds. Puddles of blood are seen pouring into the streets outside of the venue as people escape in droves. The security pact that the United States, Mexico, and Canada signed at the first announcement of this virus has now gone fully into effect. As the United States grapples to contain and prevent the spread of the virus internally, both Mexico and Canada enforce strict border controls and begin overflying it to ensure no one is attempting to illegally cross into either country. Lines at border crossings take days to move as health screenings are far more detailed and all crossings must submit to a full exam and ensure no visible bites are identified. In Japan, a full lockdown has been instituted since the early spread of the virus was identified. The government has learned from past outbreaks and this time around is no different. Public areas to include grocery stores, public transit, and medical centers are designated as essential services and receive chlorinated sanitation every four hours. To enter any of these services, you must submit to a temperature screening, physical exam, and wear an N95 mask. Failure to abide by these standards could either land you in house arrest or jail depending on severity and number of offenses. Due to these swift measures, Japan is currently the only country in the world that hasn't had a reported case. Across the Sea of Japan, North Korea has officially gone dark with little to no radio chatter. 
Explosions are documented from drone flights over Pyongyang and in what is believed to be military bases in the mountains in the north. Drone imagery also identifies a massive crush of infected individuals making their way toward the border of South Korea. In reaction, United States Army forces and Korean forces activate their response plans and begin launching droves of HIMARS rockets along with ballistic missiles at what is estimated to be a crush of nearly 200,000. A-10s assigned to the 51st Fighter Wing conduct strafing runs to thin out the infected crush wandering towards the border. I wish I could say that one year in, scientists were able to develop a vaccine, but due to the inability to study infected without risk of attack, research has been extremely slow. Testing of the rabies vaccine on infected citizens has proven to slow the rate at which the infection spreads, but similarly with how fatal rabies is once symptoms appear, the Siberia virus is showing similar results. Cases in the United States are nearing 1 million, with approximately 350,000 deaths. The United Kingdom has fared a bit better, reporting in at 350,000 cases and 90 deaths. British Reserve troops patrol cities, dispatching the infected on site, preventing further infections. Smoke billows through the air along the countryside as mass cremation centers dispose of infected bodies, destroying with it any remnants of the virus. In reality, much of Europe was not able to react fast enough, and Germany, Munich and smaller towns fall to the infected and the German Air Force conduct bombing runs to destroy the crushes that have accumulated as a result. Italian forces are able to hold the border between Switzerland, Liechtenstein, and Austria for about four months until ammunition and armaments begin to deplete to critical levels. Due to this, defensive areas are established in the major cities of Milan, Bologna, Venice, Florence, Rome, Naples, and Bari. This contingency allows the Italian federal government to maintain control among the population and maintain logistics hubs. In Spain, the Pyrenees Mountains provide security from what is going on throughout the rest of Europe. Spanish forces mobilize and set up checkpoints for anyone attempting to enter the country. Anyone infected is dispatched immediately, with zero questions asked. Those attempting to hide infected family members are arrested and face a 10-year prison sentence. Portuguese officials partner with Spanish forces to enforce the border and secure it from infected advances. Both Spain and Portugal have only reported minimal case counts thanks to this. Throughout portions of Africa, wars are being fought over limited supplies and medicines that have slowed to a near halt from Europe and the United States. Warlords fight for supplies, and those desperate enough to venture out into the war zones find themselves fighting for a side. Due to the lack of reaction from the Russian government one year ago, this virus could have been stopped at the source. Instead, the Russians decided to cover up and destroy any valuable information that could have aided in world governments developing a vaccine for the virus. Globally, the virus has infected approximately 1 billion, with numbers expected to gradually increase. After another six months, a prototype vaccine is successfully developed and is quickly rushed into production. Reports begin to flood in of successful vaccination, with many who had been bitten reporting that symptoms subside within 48 to 72 hours. While cases do continue to be reported, they have greatly reduced. Over the next year, further developments into booster doses prove vital, and eventually, the Siberia virus becomes the new virus that is added to the history books, and one that humans have been able to prevail over. The infected that continue to roam the earth gradually succumb to decay, and eventually are unable to function, melting back into the earth. Thank you for listening to the episode this week. More importantly, thank you to everyone that joined us this season. I watched the show grow from around 35 followers all the way to 60. Let's continue this growth, and let's continue as we move into Season 4. I'm going to take a break for a few weeks to develop new material. Destination Disaster will return on November 21st, 2022. Be sure to keep up to date with the show on Instagram and Twitter, where you'll get the latest updates on the show. Until next time, this has been Destination Disaster.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.